0: Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agent's Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Um, This time we're going to take a deep dive into what's next for the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers probably expected to be hosting the NFC Championship game tomorrow, which would have been against the Los Angeles Rams. Instead, They were upset by the San Francisco 49ers, 13-10 in the divisional playoff round. Um, The Green Bay Packers have the second most challenging salary cap situation behind the New Orleans Saints. Now, according to NFLPA data, right now there are 54 players under contract. The top 51 players are all that matter for offseason cap accounting. For the 22 league year, there are just Under 259.26 million of cap commitments, the Packers carried over just under 2.9 million of cap space from the 2021 league year. The salary cap is supposed to be 208.2 million. That's what the uh, NFLPA and NFL agreed upon for what the 22 figure would be is a ceiling. That's in December is announced that's what the cap would be, so we're working from that number. So that puts uh, Green Bay at just over 41, 48.15 million over the cap. Now, that's not entirely accurate because it doesn't include some things which you're going to factor into the equation. One, you got seven exclusive rights guys um, who most likely all of them will be tendered, so when you tender, These guys, some of them are going to go into the top 51, and people will drop out. You've got Alan Lazard, who is a restricted free agent. as an undrafted player. He's probably going to get the second-round tender of 3.986, which would give the Packers a second-round pick as compensation on an unmatched offer sheet. If you gave him the low tender of 2.433, then... Since he was undrafted, all you'd have are matching rights. And usually if there's a quality player, teams will, for an undrafted guy, give him the second-round tender at a minimum to make sure that he doesn't go anywhere or there's an offer sheet that can't be matched to give him Green Bay's cap issues. Team could probably easily do that. So you got to factor him coming in, somebody else dropping out. And then Elgin Jenkins earned a proven performance escalator for the fourth year, was a pro bowler in 2020. So, his fourth year salary will escalate to the second round tender of $3.986 million um, as well. So when you add that into the mix, those guys, that's going to take up an additional almost $6.75 million of cap space. So you're really looking at Green Bay being just about $55 million over. When I did the exact calculations, I got it at $54,913,772 over. Here's what we do know uh, we do know that there are three candidates who are highly likely, well, two candidates are highly likely to be restructured. So let's go ahead and assume that the restructures take place. Now, first one is going to be David Bakhtiari. Uh, Bakhtiari's got a 22. Million two hundred and three thousand three hundred eight dollar cap number for 2022. Um, Usually, when Green Bay does restructures, if there's a per game roster bonuses and a workout bonus, they leave those intact. So, that's what we're going to do with any of these restructures that we're talking about. So, you've got Bakhtiari, who's got a nine point five million dollar third day of the league year roster bonus, he's scheduled to make three point two million as a base salary. So, if you take the whole roster bonus. And you take all but his league minimum base salary of 1.12 million. That means you're going to take 2.08 million of base salary, convert that into signing bonus. So you got an 11.55 million dollar uh, conversion. He's got three years left on his contract: 22, 23, and 24. So if you convert that money, you're going to create 7.72 million of cap space. You can make it as much as 9.264 million if you add voiding dummy years for 2025 and 26. I don't know whether they'll do that. So, for these purposes, we're just going to go with the restructure, not adding the voiding dummy years. And then, when you add voiding dummy years to a contract, you don't have the automatic the automatic conversion rights that are in a contract. Um, you actually have to negotiate with the player um, to do a simple restructure. You don't. So, just to do the one I'm talking about where you get seven point17 million automatic conversions rights would kick in otherwise you actually have to negotiate with the player um, to do to uh, do the to do uh, a restructure. The other guy would be Kenny Clark um, Kenny Clark's got a twenty point nine million dollar cap number he's got a six point4 million dollar third data league year roster bonus. his minimum base salary is one point oh three five million scheduled to make eight point two five million so if you took all but his minimum base salary of seven point two one five million then you would be converting thirteen point six one five million into signing bonus he's also under contract for three years so you would create nine million seven hundred seventy six dollars seven seventy six thousand seven hundred and six six hundred and sixty six dollars with a conversion for him. If you had the voiding dummy years, then it goes up to $10.892 million. Those two guys, I definitely expect Green Bay to go ahead and restructure. Now, one thing they could do with Jair Alexander, who is heading into his fifth year option. I know he's someone you would extend. And let's say you can't get an extension done before the start of the league year. You borrow a page from what the New Orleans Saints did with Marshawn Lattimore. Um, you're going to need his cooperation, um, but he's probably your franchise tag candidate next year. So he, he probably would you probably get help from Jair and his agent is the Saints added four dummy voiding years to the fifth year option con- and then converted everything except minimum base salary. Into a signing bonus, added in $30 million salaries for the four dummy years, and then right before the start of the regular season, did the uh, extension. Now, the reason why you add such high salaries in is there's even though they're voiding dummy years, if you add years to the contract because they haven't voided yet and they wouldn't void until sometime after the 22 season before the 2023 league year started. That's considered a salary increase. So let's say if you put minimum salaries in there, there's a rule that you can do an increase up to the aggregate cap room available of, of what's the years left on the contract and not have to buy by the uh, one year set rule, one year waiting period for a salary increase. So that's why you stick those huge base salaries in there. Um, so you'd have to so say you stuck 40 million dollars in for J.R. Alexander. Um, that would suffice. So if you did this for Ja Alexander, Jair Alexander, you would drop his base salary down to one point oh three five million, add twenty twenty three to twenty twenty six avoiding dummy years, four years, and you're gonna create nine million eight hundred seven thousand two hundred dollars in cap space. So the easy part's the restructures. So You would get, from restructuring these three contracts, $26,603,866. If you went ahead and added the voting dummy years for Bakhtiari and Clark, it goes up to $29,963,200. And this is before we even address the elephant in the room, which is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers uh, isn't going to play on his current cap number. He's got the second highest cap number in the league. There's no way that you're going to have Aaron Rodgers play on a cap number of $46,664,156. So if Aaron Rodgers decides he's happy enough in Green Bay to stay... They're going to do something. Most likely, an extension, which which would render the pick of Jordan Love, in the first round pick in twenty twenty twenty, which was the source of consternation, moot. Or he's going to ask for a trade. Now, there is one thing you could do. I I don't see this happening at all, with Aaron Rodgers, um, because typically, <laughs> you have automatic conversion rights in contracts. Theoretically. The Packers could try to solve <laughs> the Aaron Rodgers problem in a way that I don't really see being realistic. By doing a simple restructure, and let's say they, they, they took uh, $25 million of his base salary and converted it into signing bonus, you'd get $12.5 million cap room in 2022 that way. I don't really see that being um, an option, so I'm going to kind of dismiss that one. So we got either the trade. If you trade Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have $26,847,138 in dead money. Because presumably the trade become it trade happens before June 2nd because the Packers would presumably want 2022 draft picks. So the trade's going to happen before the NFL draft, which starts on April 28th. So you would pick up $19,817,018. Trade couldn't be effective until the first day of the league year on March 16th. You would actually have to be under the cap before you make the trade, counting the $46.64 million cap hit. Then you would pick up the $19.8 million in cap room when the trade's made. Now, and that gets to if you're going to do an extension with Aaron Rodgers, how much cap room could you get? Aaron Rodgers has been someone who has been the highest paid player last two extensions. And it was by anywhere between 9 and 11 percent, is where he was above the guy who was the previous highest paid player. Right now, the highest paid player is by average yearly salary Patrick Mahomes at 45 million per year. If I'm Aaron Rodgers' agent, I'm representing Aaron Rodgers. I want to be the first 50 million dollar per year player. I know he said he was contemplating retirement. But previously he said he wanted to do the Tom Brady thing and play well into his 40s. So he's 38 this year, turns 39 late next year. So you'd have him for basically up until basically where Tom Brady is right now, where Tom Brady's 44. So he tacked on four new years. <laughs> then the problem is when you do an extension, he's going to want a significant amount of money this year. So he's making more than his almost uh twenty seven million that he's uh scheduled um to make this year between his uh base salary workout bonus. He's got uh, precisely his twenty six million nine hundred and seventy thousand five hundred eighty eight dollars. He's got a five hundred thousand dollar workout bonus. He's gonna want that taken out 'cause he don't want to he doesn't believe in the off season workout program. That was he wanted the off season program eliminated when he was the Green Bay Packers rep before the new CBA was ratified. Then he's got a twenty six million four hundred seventy thousand five hundred eighty eight dollar base salary. So typically you've given Aaron Rodgers a huge signing bonus. Signing bonus he got in two thousand eighteen of fifty seven point five million was the largest signing bonus in NFL history. The largest signing bonus right now is Dak Prescott, sixty six million biggest signing bonus ever. So let's say you went with that model, and you gave him a $75 million signing bonus, so he ends up with $50 million in new money this year, more than he was supposed to make. You're going to get $10 million of cap space that one. That would actually be $50 million in new money. It would be a departure from the structure he had on his last deal in terms of percentage of new money heading into the one year before the contract. So Green Bay would be getting a break structurally. Now, if you could really get him to be flexible structurally, then maybe he takes a lower signing bonus. You stick a huge roster bonus in 2023, which would be essentially fully guaranteed. You'd have the skill and in injury or skill and cap guarantees kick in, up, which would be upon signing. Then five days later, the injury guarantee or the or or the uh, cap guarantee whichever one wasn't there initially so you don't prorate it if you have if it's something a roster bonus is fully guaranteed at signing it's prorated so the idea would be so it's not prorated and it all counts in 2023 you'd have a huge one in 2023 a huge one in 2024 that would be secure but avoid proration and then there'd be automatic conversion right so you could take it and convert it into signing bonus later so If you uh, had Aaron Rodgers take a $37.5 million signing bonus as opposed to a $75 million signing bonus, I'm just throwing out numbers for illustrative purposes, then you're going to get $17.5 million of cap space um, with with the extension that way. Then we haven't even gotten to Devontae Adams. According to... um, NFL media's Ian Rappaport a couple of weeks ago, Packers said they were going to um, stick a franchise tag on Devontae Adams. If Aaron Rodgers is back, you're definitely going to have to work something out with Devontae Adams because I can't see him buying off on being in Green Bay without Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams has been the most productive receiver over the past uh, three, four years. He's got the most uh, catches, yards, and um, touchdowns dating back to when he signed his contract in 2018. Over that same time span, then this year he set a single season receiving yardage record and broke his own record, team record for uh, um, catches as well. So he's supposedly yesterday I read that he's looking for 30 million per year. He wanted to be the highest paid wide receiver. There is a disagreement on value on what the highest-paid wide receiver would be. If you go buy new money, it's DeAndre Hopkins at $27.25 million per year. The highest-paid non-quarterback is T.J. Watt at $28 million, targeting 30, ambitious, aggressive. I don't see there being a $30 million receiver, honestly. Now, the franchise tag getting to that, uh, for him it's going to be $20.12 million because it's going to be based on 120% of his prior year's salary and how that's going to work is you're going to take all of his salary except for the $500,000 workout bonus. So that's going to be $16.35 million. Uh, 120% of that is 19.62 million. Then you add back in his $500,000 workout bonus. So that gets you to $20.12 million. And that would be the non-exclusive version where he could go out and get offer sheets. And if anyone signed up to an offer sheet that wasn't matched, Green Bay would get two first-round picks. Nobody gives up two first-round picks on an offer sheet, hasn't happened since Joey Galloway in 2000. So if you did the exclusive version, which is calculated a little bit differently, which is the average of the top five salaries, meaning cap numbers at the end of the restricted free agent period for 2022 and mid-April, um, and that would be subject to change. Right now, that would be $22.623 million, but you can't solicit offer sheets. It's a closed negotiation. So Aaron Rodgers coming back would give Devontae Adams a whole lot of leverage. Now, knowing what he's targeting, if Aaron Rodgers is gone, this screams tag and trade, that you tag him to trade him because you're not just going to, I don't think you just let Devontae Adams walk into free agency, given, even though you got major cap issues, because all you'd get at best is a compensatory third-round pick in 2023. So he's worth a lot more than that. Now, before we, so Adams is going to add another Nineteen point, I think two five, two point nine five million in cap space when you tag him, and I say that it's not the full twenty point one two, because someone in the top fifty one comes out, which I think would have an eight hundred twenty five thousand dollar salary. So him going in the top fifty one, someone else coming out, that's what gets added to the whole equation, which is essentially, if you were uh, trading Rodgers, more or less. Close to the same. The cap savings of 19.8 and what in the franchise tag number. So if Rodgers is gone, the tag and trade seems much more viable because signability issues. And what would be appropriate compensation in a situation like that? Well, I would look to Odell Beckham Jr.'s trade in 2019. Odell Beckham Jr., when he was traded from the New York Giants to the Cleveland Browns, and I know. I'm just looking at what was the original trade before they collapsed them. Um, Kevin Zeitler and the Olivier Vernon exchange into it and made it one combined trade. He went for a first-round pick, which ended up being 17th overall, a third-round pick, and Jabril Peppers as a player. So you'd be looking to get a first back, another pick, and that's a day-two pick, and a player. A lot more than just letting them walk. The key part is what happens with Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers stays, then you're going to work out an extension with uh, – then you could work out an extension with the uh, Devontae Adams before the, the new league year started, and depending on how you structured it, let's say you gave him a $30 million signing bonus, a $35 million signing bonus on a five-year deal. So you got a $35 million signing bonus, gets prorated $7 million on the cap, and then you give them like a 1.2 million, 1.25 million dollar base salary. You got 8.25 million as a cap hit, as opposed to 20.12 as a um, franchise tag. So you would there'd be incentive or motivation to get that thing done early with Adams. If Aaron Rodgers wants to be around, also be incentive to try to get Aaron Rodgers on an extension sooner rather than later because that's gonna Uh, factor into uh, which players would be released. If you had those two components taken care of and you're already picking up uh, 26-6 in cap space from the three restructures, then your whole uh, who do I, uh, who are cap casualties, uh, that dynamic changes a little bit. The next piece of the puzzle will be potential releases, salary cap casualties, Uh, whatever you want to call it, and how deep the the cuts are made will depend on what happens with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So um, what Aaron Rodgers decides to do is going to impact significantly what happens on, on this side of the equation. Now, I don't see both Smith brothers being back, Zedarius and Preston. At least one is going to be gone. Sean Gary played well as an edge rusher this year. Um, 2019 first-round pick, they'll exercise a fifth-year option. It's a little premature to be talking about a contract extension for him. That's not the typical Packers si- uh, timing for one with the uh, first-round picks. Um, Kenny Clark's got done in the fifth-year option. Jarrell Alexander did not get done after three years. He'll probably get done this year uh, heading into his fifth-year option. He won't play under the fifth-year option. Zadarius Smith missed most of the season. Because of uh, back surgery. But Zadarius Smith has the fifth largest cap number for 2022 for non-quarterbacks. At $27,661,250. That's the fifth highest in the league. So he's got $15.75 million worth of cash. But because of the way pro-game roster bonuses work, they're treated like likely to be earned incentives, so how many games you were active in the previous year is how many games or how much of the roster bonus will count the next year. So if you released Zadarius Smith, you'd pick up $15,281,250 of cap room. There'd be $12.38 million of dead money. Now, I've from talking to a couple of teams that have a need for edge rushers, they are anticipating Zadarius Smith will be released. Preston Smith took a pay cut last year. Played well this year. He's also in a contract year like Darius Smith. He's got a $19,732,353 cap number. He's got $12,500,000 uh, uh, worth of cash um, for 2022. If you were to cut, Preston Smith, then you'd have seven point two five million in dead money and you would save twelve million four hundred eighty two thousand three hundred fifty three dollars on the cap. They're gonna have to Green Bay's gonna have to make a decision on him no later than the third day of the twenty twenty two league year, which will be March eighteenth, and that is because he's got a three million dollar um third day of the league year roster bonus, so you're not going to pay that and have them cut, and then, then cut him. It might be easier to work out an extension for Preston Smith where you could still pick up cap room. Um, maybe that's in the $10-$11 million range on an extension um, for him, and you keep him around as opposed to uh, um, releasing him, so that could be an option. I think Randall Cobb's uh, Roster spot hinges on Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers is around since the only reason they traded for him was to placate Aaron Rodgers, I can't see Aaron Rodgers being happy about them cutting um, Randall Cobb. Um, Randall Cobb, he's got a $9,531,370 cap number. He's supposed to make $8.25 million. If you cut him, you would pick up six million seven hundred forty-eight thousand thirty-eight dollars in cap space. There'd be two million seven hundred eighty-three thousand three hundred and thirty-four dollars in dead money. And by dead money I mean a salary cap uh, charge for a player no longer on the roster. Now he had twenty eight in twelve games he had twenty eight catches, three hundred and seventy five yards, five touchdowns. Eight point two five million is a lot <laughs> for that type of production. So that might be someone you try to work a pay cut. Uh, have him to take a pay cut where he can make money back in incentives, kind of like Preston Smith did. And if you could get him to cut his salary down to $3 million, where you pick up $4.875 million of cap space, or if you get it even lower, great. You could have not likely to be earned incentives starting at 30 catches and 400 receiving yards because he didn't do that last year and then have additional potentially for 40 catches and also to be two tiers of incentives for catches at 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and then you go 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900 receiving yards. And that may be a way to go with him, particularly if Aaron Rodgers is around. Now, I have a hard time seeing Mason Crosby still being a Green Bay Packer. He only converted on 73.5% of his field goal attempts, 25 or 34. That was 28th in the NFL. He's got a $4.735 million cap number. Supposed to make $3.4 million. If you release him, you pick up $2.395 million of cap room and there'd be $2.34 million of dead money left. So, he's probably a goner. At least one of the Smiths is gone. Mason Crosby, most likely gone. Randall Cobb, roster spot depends on what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Now, Billy Turner could be on the bubble. $6.1 million of cash. Cap number of nine million two hundred two thousand five hundred dollars. If you release them conventionally, you'd pick up three million three hundred ninety-two thousand five hundred dollars. There'd be five point eight one million of dead money. He would be a potential post June one designation. Each team gets two post June one designations once the league year starts. Where you release a guy in March, you carry his cap number until June second, and then you don't have the. Um, bonus proration from future years which would be 2023 and beyond accelerate to 2022 um, the future years become a 2023 cap charge so in this case you'd pick up 6.1 million but it wouldn't be till June 2nd you'd have 3.14 million in dead money this year and then a 2.67 million dollar cap charge in 2023 um, for Billy Turner. Mercedes Lewis is supposed to make $4 million. He's got a two point dollars million dollar third third-day league year roster bonus. So you have to make a decision on him. Who knows? He might retire. He's basically just a blocking tight end. He's got a $4.525 million cap number. You would save $2.95 million by releasing him, and there'd be $1.575 million uh, of dead money with um, Mercedes Lewis. Then there are a couple other guys who you'd have to put in consideration as well. Adrian Amos is supposed to make $7.9 million. He's got $11.982 million cap hit. Because the dead money would be so much, $7.328 million, and you'd save $4.654 million. He's a potential post-June 1 designation if you were to go that route. You'd have to carry him until June 2nd. You'd save $7.9 million on the cap, have $4.082 million of Dead money this year. Then a 3.246 million dollar cap charge in 2023. Then there's Dean Lowry, 8.022 million dollar cap number. Supposed to make 5.85 million in cash. There'd be 3.988 million in dead money, and you'd save 4.034 million in cap space by releasing him. You got two post-u1 designations. He could be a post-u1 designation um, candidate as well. Save 5.85 million in. in on the cap and have 2.122 million in dead money this year and 1.866 million um, next year. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, got nine guys identified as potential cap casualties. Not all of them will be cap casualties, but, all nine of them being gone, that's potential $51,937,141 of cap space. So you're not going to cut all of them, but that's probably where the cap casualties will come from. You've already got, I'm going to assume that the the Jerry Alexander gets the Marshawn Lattimore treatment and they pick up the cap room with the four voiding dummy years before they do an extension at some point, which will be... The injury this year is not going to affect his value. He's a $19 million-plus-per-year corner on a long-term deal. But if you, as I said earlier, you restructure all three. That's 26-6 right there. Now, you've got what we would call 14 unrestricted free agents, and you've got Alan Lazard as a restricted free agent who's going to get his tender. We'll talk about a couple of those um, unrestricted free agents, mainly Devondre Campbell, huge steal this year. Uh, free agent market wasn't what he thought it would be. So that's two years in a row he's done one-year prove-it deals in free agency. And he signed in June one million two one-year deal for $2 million or $500,000 in playtime incentives. First-team All-Pro this year. Now, he played out of his mind relative to anything he's done in his prior years of his career. So he's not going to all of a sudden get Darius Leonard... Fred Warner, Bobby Wagner, money where he's 18 million or more um, as an off-ball linebacker. Um, what he needs is to be treated like the 2020 off-ball linebacker market, as opposed to 2021 for free agents. The top deal in 2021 free agency was Matt Milano, and he stayed put. He didn't. He went back to Buffalo. On a four-year deal, averaging 10.375 million per year with 23 million in guarantees, so he's probably looking at that as a floor. And maybe the last two years in free agency are going to temper his expectations because it hasn't worked out well. But in 2020, you had five off-ball linebackers who got 10 million per year or more: Jamie Collins, Corey Littleton, Blake Martinez, Joe Sherbert, and Kyle Van Noy. None of them were approaching the Bobby Wagner. Darius Leonard Fred Warner territory he's probably the guy you'd want back most then the one of the more remarkable stories to me is Russell Douglas cuz I don't think I have ever seen anything like what happened with the uh, Douglas this year he got released by the raiders in the preseason then was quickly signed by the texans they released him he goes to the cardinals practice squad until he signed for league minimum of nine ninety nine hundred ninety thousand, and it's the pro part of that. For once, Jair Alexander got hurt, he made seven hundred seventy thousand dollars in fourteen games. Had a knack for big plays in twelve uh, for fourteen. I mean, for fourteen weeks, he had a knack for for his fourteen weeks on the roster. Made seven seventy. He had five picks, returned two interceptions for touchdowns, which is just crazy. So if I'm him and I want to stay in Green Bay, I'm thinking you paid Kevin King 5 million on a 1 to come back. 6 million dollars max of incentives. Um I'm also looking at what the average uh salary is for starting cornerbacks in NFL, not on rookie contracts, just veteran contracts. And according to NFLPA data, that's just under 8.4 million. He's probably going to be more flexible than maybe um, Devondre Campbell just because this is a guy that was on the street. Anybody could have had him. And this, even more so than Devondre Campbell, is an outlier performance. So I'm curious to see what type of market he would have uh, in free agency because this is a guy that has never signed any huge contracts in his career. He was... uh. Drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017 as a third-round pick, and got released in 2020 from the Eagles, and then signed uh, with the Carolina Panthers and played 2020 for nine for nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. <laughs> so that's uh this is going to be the biggest payday of his career, whatever he signs for. I'm sure they'd want to have him back, but it will be curious to see uh, what type of market uh, there would be um, for Rachel Douglas. You've also got your punter, uh, Corey Borges, who's up as well. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is an unrestricted free agent. The interesting one is Robert Tanyan because uh, he tore his ACL middle of the season. was playing on a restricted free agent tender, second-round tender of $3.384 million. If you had, you saw guys last year on a one year deal signed from anywhere between four point five million and six. Jared Cook, former Packer, signed a one year deal with the uh, Chargers, four point five million, maxed out to six um with incentives, and we saw Gerald Everett go from the Rams to Seahawks, six million, one year deal, seven million dollar max through incentives. So maybe that's a range for, for him. But that's just to kind of give you the lay of the land for the Green Bay Packers and things you should look for in the offseason and how they're going to get under the cap. Because when you factor Devontae Adams and a franchise tag in, we're talking $74.2 million of an overage. Um, but the first key thing is the Aaron Rodgers decision whether he wants to remain a Packer, wants to try to force himself out for trade. I'm dismissing retirement. And let's say – here's here's a, here's another reason why I'm dismissing retirement. Let's say Tom Brady retires. So Aaron Rodgers is going to retire at the same time as Tom Brady, and they go in as first bout Hall of Famers. And then Aaron Rodgers is playing second fiddle to Tom Brady at the Hall of Fame ceremony. So I also have a hard time thinking that Aaron Rodgers is going out on a 13-10 loss to the 49ers in the divisional playoffs when he didn't play well. And he admitted he didn't play well. But it's really, to me, Aaron Rodgers, trade or stay put. We'll see which way it goes. But hopefully you've gotten an idea of what the challenges are for Green Bay, where they can potentially get cap room via contract restructures and releases uh, salary cap casualties. And then the Devontae Adams piece as well as um, Aaron Rodgers' extension with Rodgers staying? Is he going to play in a franchise tag for a year? Or do you trade him, tag and trade, just because of s- salary expectations are just more than you'd ever want to deal with? But anyway, that's it for this week's Inside the Cap. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And you can also read my regular CBS column, agent's take on cap and contract matters. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.